You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here with you. And we're joined now by Chelsea Brown. She's a 2014 graduate of Winthrop University. She's currently a graduate student at the University of Maryland, and she does work as a nonprofit and fundraising consultant. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So just start off by telling us your Winthrop story. You know, how did you end up at Winthrop and what was your time like here? Yeah, so I actually am a military brat. And uh, before we moved um, during my freshman year of high school, before we moved to Tacoma, Washington, um, my parents charged me with the task of taking a look at any East Coast school that I was interested in. And of course, Winthrop was on my radar. I had a lot of people from church and a lot of people who went to my, um, formerly went to my high school at the time that liked Winthrop and attended. Um, And so I took one step onto Winthrop's campus and I met Star, who worked at the admissions office. um, And from there, I was sold. You know, Star was just such a great kind of presence uh, when I first attended or first uh, visited Winthrop. Um, and I just met our tour guide and all of those things. And I just love the environment of Winthrop um, and being able to be a part of it is something that I was extremely interested in. So I went back and moved to Tacoma, Washington. And what I really enjoyed about Winthrop is that they kept sending handwritten letters on my birthday, um, referencing some of the things that I thought no one would remember, right? You know, they're referencing, you know, congrats on your move, hope everything's great, you know, we hope you decide to come to Winthrop, and it just seemed like everything was so genuine, and I kept thinking, if this is what they're doing to get me here, I can't imagine what it would be like if I would be actually on campus, it could only be better from here, Um, and so as soon as I attended Winthrop, all that was true. Um, I had the opportunity to be amongst great professors like Mark North, um, as well as be amongst people who really invested in my future, either as peers, professors, or faculty. Um, And that's truly what's gotten me to where I'm at now. You just were here not too long ago and gave a talk at Winthrop to students about being a, a part of a nonprofit and doing work in that area. What was your message to students when you were here? So my message was, um, you know, don't be pigeonheld, right? Um, I think sometimes um, I had a fear when I graduated to move too far. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know at the time what I wanted to do. Um, but my message really was to just make sure that you, when you graduate, that you keep an open mind. Winthrop gives you all the tools um, in order to be transferable in almost any skill set. Um, and so what I really wanted to make sure that people understood was, you know, don't be afraid, you know, move to that place that you've always thought about, um, you know, really be invested in something that isn't traditionally what you have studied um, and follow your passion. When you were on campus, um, Chelsea, can you tell us a little bit about the MassCom department and uh, what your experience was and and some of the different things you did um, with your classes and, and extracurricular activities? Wow, I got to think a little far back. Okay, so uh, when I first um, attended Winthrop, before my freshman year even started, I went to, I think at the time the Johnsonian had kind of like a boot camp situation. Um, And so I uh, went to the Johnsonian boot camp, became a part of the Johnsonian, and within the first month, um, I had my story on the front page, which was surreal. Um, and after that, I became a part of the Johnsonian and then slowly transitioned to the Roddy Mc- McMillan record, um, where I eventually became editor-in-chief. 
Um, simultaneously, I worked with, with the close-up um, and rose to the ranks in that as well. Um, and then outside of that, I, with the support of my professors, I was able to have some really outstanding internships, such as MTV in New York. Um, and a lot of the skills that I learned while I was in the mass communication department definitely transferred um, when I was in New York. You know, the basis of the mass communication department at the time was, you know, you have to be a good writer. Good writing will take you far. Um, and it, it's rang true in almost every role that I've had. Um, and so being able to have that as a part of my kind of toolkit of skills um, was really helpful as I maneuvered through Winthrop opportunities um, and internships. And my senior year, I actually got an award that I had planned on getting my freshman year. I came in the freshman year saying, I will get the Outstanding Senior Award for Broadcasting. And I did it. Um, and so my senior year, I was uh, awarded with the Outstanding Senior in Broadcasting uh, Award. So Winter Mass Communication Department has been wonderful to me. Um, even when I had to lag around the huge camera, which I'm sure the students don't have to do anymore um, because they're smaller uh, cameras, um, I'm, I'm so grateful because it taught me so much perseverance um, and so much grit. Um, and how to handle things under pressure, um, which has, again, taken me far in almost every field or any job that I've had. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here, and we're speaking with Chelsea Brown. She's a nonprofit and fundraising consultant and also a graduate student right now at the University of Maryland studying public policy. Chelsea, I see that you're a member of the Winthrop University Foundation, a part of the board of directors there. What's made you want to stay connected to Winthrop and volunteer your time to the university? So once I fell into development, um, I really realized that there's impact in being a part of leadership roles in that way. Um, and so I started my scholarship, the Chelsea Brown Scholarship, in 2016, and it really went to students from the school that I were, school and nonprofit that I was working at at the time who would be interested in Winthrop. And from that, I was invited to join the Winthrop University uh, Foundation Board of Directors. And being able to offer my experiences and my thoughts as a, you know, alum of Winthrop um, and being able to sit in a room with so many people who care about Winthrop and want to, want to continue to see it thrive um, has been such an enlightening experience for me. Um, and also being able to really understand that there's so much power in these rooms to really enact change. Um, and so if something is an issue on campus or a concern, these are the people that have the, the opportunity to fix it and um, really have the voice to do so. Um, and so being able to be in that room um, has been such an amazing experience for me. But really, Winthrop has done so much for me that I thought of nothing more than to provide my service and time um, to continuing to make this a great experience for the students that come after me. That's great. That's really great. We always hope that um, our students want to, you know, come back to Winthrop and give back to the community in that way. Um, yeah. I have to bring this up because, you know, well, that's just me. You know how I am. Um, <laughs> when you were on the radio at Winthrop, you were kind of a minor celebrity on campus. You had a very, very uh -huh. popular um, uh, talk show. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so, uh Will Latimer and I, um, in 2010, started uh, Battle of the Sexes, and it really, we had the 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. slot. We thought no one would listen, 
Um, and then it became very popular overnight. Um, and so we went from having, I would say, maybe five people following us on Twitter to almost 300, 400 people. And it wasn't just only people that went to Winthrop, but it was people from local colleges that tuned in at that time, too. And we had it on a Wednesday, so I kept thinking, no one's going to listen to this because people have worked, people sleep. You know, it's not like a Thursday or anything where people have somewhat nothing to do the next day. Um, and so we were able to really kind of, kind of set the tone on how we wanted the, the broadcasting to be. So we brought in guests. We brought in uh, student officials. Uh, at the time, Canberra Garvin was our um, student body president. Um, and so we were able to bring in people that could talk about some of the more serious things that are happening on campus. And then we also had just a good time, right? And so we just wanted it to be something fun um, that really transitioned into something that became a staple in the with the radio community. Um, and from what I've heard and from what people have told me, um, you know, it became one of the factors as to why there were a lot of people of color that decided to have a radio station um, after we started. So it was it was a fun experience, um, and people are still requesting that we do it for homecomings and whatnot. So I guess it, it's it's become its own, it's a life of its own at this point. <laughs> well, I've only been here for two years now, Chelsea, and and the the show comes up and and faculty still mention it and talk about it. So here we are, ten years later. Um, it must have left a mark. So it's uh, it's fun to talk to an Eagle Air alum. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite Winthrop moment or a or story you could share with us about, you know, a time that you think back and and you think really reflects on your time here at Winthrop? I definitely think that I would like to say um, having my final, uh, I think it was called the Mass Communication Banquet or Gala um, as a student there during my senior year was one of the highlights of my uh, Winthrop career. Um, it was just a great culmination. We had the opportunity to meet alums that worked in the communications field, um, as well as like, you know, work with one another and, and fellowship and all that fun stuff. And it was just a great experience to really see um, and reflect upon the work that I had done over the four years. And sometimes when you're in it, um, it doesn't feel like a lot. And then you kind of look at the list of things and you're like, oh, wow, I never left Johnson. Um, and so I think that being able to kind of reflect and also my parents came and had the opportunity to meet, you know, my professors and some of the faculty um, in the math comp department. And so it was just such a great experience to really celebrate kind of my ending of Winthrop. All day we've been asking people for their music recommendations as <sighs> we know many people are you know, using music to pass the time and, and mm -hmm. you know, help to de-stress during, you know, these stressful times. Do you have any recommendations that, of songs we should add to our pandemic playlist that we're creating today? Anything Beyonce. Um, I would also say, um, I've been listening to a lot of Stevie Wonder, um, just because I really enjoy, I feel like his music is very uplifting and it makes you kind of sway. Um, and then in recognition of Prince's birthday, I think that happened, I think a few days ago, you definitely got to add Prince to the playlist as well. I think Prince is now in the lead with the most votes, oh, don't you think? I mean, of absolutely. Most... Absolutely. <laughs> you so. have to. There is no playlist without him. Absolutely. 
I, I got to just tell you, my favorite Beyonce song is If I Were a Boy, for some reason. Oh, I don't know. I just love that song. It's just beautiful. Beautiful song. That's a good one. Very well written, too. Very good one. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really appreciate you guys thinking of me. That was Chelsea Brown. She's a 2014 graduate of Winthrop. She's also a graduate student at the University of Maryland, and she works as a nonprofit and fundraising consultant. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Even just for a day, I'd roll out of bed in the morning and throw on what I wanted and go. Drink beer with the guys and chase after girls. I kick it with who I wanted and I never get confronted for it cause they stick up for me. If I
But you are just a boy Beyonce with If I Were a Boy here on WINR Eagle Air. Joe Casco, Mark Nortz here with you this afternoon. And it's virtual Winthrop Day. Can't be together on campus because of social distancing and and just shutting everything down these days because of the pandemic. So we're trying to do the next best thing and let you know about our community and the people involved in it here at Winthrop, give you a taste of what it might be like to be a student here. You can reach out to us via Facebook if uh, you just search for Eagle Air. You can find us also on Instagram and Twitter, and we'd love to hear your music requests with the hashtag Pandemic Playlist. Yeah, one of the things, Joe, that uh, we haven't touched on yet, but it's a very, very important part of the Winthrop experience, is a study abroad. Um, we know, like the MassCom department here, we have um, agreements with several universities um, overseas, and it's a great experience for students. Um, you can study abroad in Dublin, Ireland, or England, near Liverpool, Seville, Spain, Sweden, Norway, or Australia. Um, and basically how it works is you go to the um, study abroad office, and you can look at all the different areas um, in the world you can go and study, and they'll help you coordinate the classes that you're going to take while you're studying abroad. That way, when you come back, those classes will transfer in, and you won't lose any time towards graduation. It's really a good deal. It doesn't cost anything more than um, you would if you came to um, if you were just going to a regular semester here at Winthrop. And um, it's just a great experience. Um, the thing I, I notice is when students come back. They have grown so much. And I think um, the big thing is that in their mind, they did it. They took that step. They went outside their comfort zone, and they experienced another country, which I think is phenomenal. And students will always tell me, oh, I'm going to travel when I get older. Well, trust me, I'm older, and um, life gets in the way. It really does. Um, you're going to find that you have a lot more obligations. Do this now while you can get credit for it. Um, it's a great experience. You're going to make lifelong friends. And again, it's not going to impede you um, in the, as far as graduation goes. Um, it's just a great op opportunity, and it's a good resume builder. And we've actually had some students, um, they've gone back after they've graduated. They've gone back to Australia. They've gone back to France. They've gone back to um, Dublin. Um, it's just like I said, it, it, we can't speak enough for it. And it's a growing experience. It really is. And you can check in with an, an admissions counselor today. They are working remotely by phone, 803-323-2191, by email, admissions at winthrop.edu. Uh, it's virtual Winthrop Day, and we're going to move right along. We're going to talk with Jacob Davis here in a moment, get him on the phone. He owns the nutrition store up in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Streaming from the campus of Winthrop University, you're listening to WINR, Eagle Air. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here, and we're joined now by Jacob Davis, Winthrop alum and owner of the Nutrition Store in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Jacob, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, well, thanks for having me on. I, I look forward to it. So tell us about how you ended up at Winthrop and uh, what you majored in while you were in school here. 
Well, yeah. So um, I guess I, I started my goal in going to Winthrop was to obtain a degree in dietetics. And, you know, being uh, in South Carolina, there's only, I believe, two schools that are accredited for nutritional science or, or dietetics. And so I started out my journey there after high school and quickly realized that um, dietetics wasn't necessarily my path. You know, being a freshman in college, you start to undergo a lot of changes and, um, and start to realize a lot about yourself. And so I quickly realized that I, I'm more of the, uh, the physical aspect, the exercise physiology route. And so I pivoted my major over to um, the exercise science at Winthrop. So do you have a, like a favorite Winthrop story or a favorite Winthrop moment that you can share with us? Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of them. And probably, you know, being a college student, there's, there's probably a lot that I uh, wouldn't want to talk about for a, for a Winthrop day. <laughs> but I would say um, uh, probably meeting Dr. Bowers for the first time. And to those people that are listening right now, Dr. Bowers is a school legend. He, he's actually retired, but he was head of the PESH department at Winthrop. And um, I just remember coming to, uh, to a, um, a Winthrop day, actually. I went to an open day to tour the school when I was still in high school and um, went on a tour. And, and Dr. Bowers pulled me aside out of everybody and uh, started telling me about their exercise science program. And Honestly, it was not really the event that was that impact, impactful. It was more so uh, meeting him and, and the man that he is and how much he guided me through college. So that was just having the right influence, I would say that. Oh, absolutely. Having the right influence um, goes a long, long way. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how um, your degree helped you um, launch your career? Well, yeah. So, you know, I would say, and contrary to most, my it, the degree is what you make it. Obviously, you hear that everybody, the four-year degree is is really a stepping stone into whatever you want to make it, especially in exercise science realms. Um, you know, technically my degree is to be a uh, high-level personal trainer or exercise physiologist or strength and conditioning coach. However, uh, working and learning um, all of the aspects of exercise physiology and, and training um, really kind of diverted or drove my passion more so into nutritional science and um, using myself being a student at Winthrop and exercise science, I was able to get in front of the right people who were nutritional science PhDs um, studying under them also working in, um, in more exercise to nutrition uh, based realms to gain that experience. So I would say just being a student and putting my name out there and going and meeting people uh, with, you know, them knowing that I'm working on my degree uh, really opened up a lot of doors to meet people and, and make connections. So tell us about the nutrition store and tell us about your, you know, your experience there. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Um, my, my experience in nutritional science and supplementation started actually when I was a, I think junior at Winthrop. I, um, I met up with a man named Steve Wayman. He's the owner of Rock Hill nutrition off of Selenese road, uh, up there in, in, uh, Rock Hill. And, uh, you know, he, he really impacted me in a positive way while I was finishing up my degree, because unlike most supplement stores um, where you go in and you're made promises about ingredients and products that really don't have a lot of scientific backing on them. Um, one thing I learned when I went into Steve's store, Rock Hill Nutrition, was that he his sole purpose was to educate and to inform uh, people 
uh, about products and actually provide real world data, not just uh, my mom told me that it worked, you know? And so I actually ended up getting a job there my uh, senior year, worked there. It became a strong passion of mine doing research on supplement science and, um, and nutritional science. And by the time I was a senior in college, I had already uh, delved into learning business uh, startups and filed for my LLC. It just kind of uh, compiled into a passion for me. And so basically here we are two years later and we are um, the nutrition store. And the nutrition store, its number one goal is to provide real honesty for people, provide real knowledge so that they can get real results. And that, that may sound cliche, but unlike most supplement stores, if you leave our store without buying a thing the first time, you've done we've done the right job because our goal is to help you in all aspects of your life including diet and exercise so we take a different route and that route is education well speaking of the diet and exercise um given the, the times that we're in right now with the covid-19 do you have any um any tips or suggestions for people to to work on their diet and exercise while they're um self-sheltering and all that stuff like that oh no doubt i think you know I think right now is a great time to start to learn more about yourself and uh, learn more about your own dietary tendencies. And I tend to steer people towards quantification. I use that word a lot, but to quantify what you're putting into your body each and every day will help you so much when all of this clears up, because you're going to know the exact amount of food that you eat on a daily basis. You're going to know how many calories you're going to want to consume to maintain your body weight or improve uh, muscular strength, et cetera. So I always tell people, start educating yourself on calories during this downtime and, you know, start trying to pay attention to food labels and, and keep a little notebook, um, on whether it be on your phone or on a piece of paper. Start to write down your habits so that you can learn and teach yourself how to change them. Um, a lot of people have all this extra free time right now with, you know, being off of work or um, whether it's online classes, we can make time to improve ourselves with all this extra time. So I think that's the best thing to do right now is educate. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here. We're speaking with Jacob Davis, 2018 graduate of Winthrop University and owner of the nutrition store in Spartanburg. I understand you've started a podcast and even built a little studio there at your business. Tell us a little bit more about that, uh, how it came about, and, and what your goals are. When I first opened the store, uh, about two years ago today, when I signed the lease on our unit, um, which has over doubled in five since then, I started out by making uh, videos, just holding my cell phone, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one with people, and that was what we initiated our platform with, was uh, we're going to just be real with people. We're going to make video content to educate them, to uh, actually tell them about our products and what we do here instead of just posting pictures of said products. You know, it's one thing from a business perspective to use your source of advertising as simply posting the products you have to offer, or we could provide value via media. And that's what we did. And Ever since then, we've grown quite a following in Spartanburg, uh, especially on Instagram, um, where we make video content nearly every day. And that basically um, routed itself and funneled itself into <laughs> podcasting, into um, video work, and just a lot of outlets online that we never would have thought uh, would have happened two years ago. But it all came from a simple goal of just wanting to um, provide value in different ways from other stores. 
So we noticed on your website that one of the products that you have available is uh, CBD products. Uh, you know, recently my my dad started taking that for uh, you know some pain issues he was having and has uh, had some positive results. What do you think? As an expert, what do you think is the benefits of CBD as more and more people start to adopt that as a part of right. their daily routine? Yeah, you know, I'm going to – I always play the devil's advocate with CBD, <laughs> CBD um, in that it's relatively a young substance. And when I say that, I don't say that it's young. You know, we know that cannabis has been around for thousands of years, and, and we've used it. Uh, the problem is CBD, cannabidiol, it is isolated on its own. And I believe in 2018 or late 2017, it was made legal. And the the problem lies in that there's only a few federally approved clinical trials on it. And those clinical trials point towards reducing social anxiety, uh, helping with relaxation. But all the other trials are in vitro studies. So they're usually studying cells in a Petri dish without having um, a biological application. So no, you know, no mice or no people or no, you know, pigs were used in these studies. So we sell CBD here, but it's definitely not something that we promote left and right. You know, we don't advertise saying, hey, buy CBD for pain relief or for depression or for sleep support, because a lot of that is subjective testimony. Well, what I would rather suggest is that if you feel like CBD can help you, you know, based on what you've read and come to your own conclusions with, Come try it out. You know, we do have a fully verified uh, line of CBD. They send us uh, COAs or certificates of analysis for every batch we get. Um, but, you know, you're never going to hear me say claims about it other than the possibility of reducing anxiety just because we don't have the facts for it. Well, we've been asking everybody about their musical tastes. We've seen, you know, so many videos online of people using music as like an escape through these difficult times that everybody's been experiencing. If we were to ask you what recommendations you'd make for the pandemic playlist that we're creating today, um, what would you recommend to us? <laughs> um, I would, you know, myself, when I feel, I don't know, un unmotivated or, or a little bit down, I love EDM music, like positive, uh, high, not high pitch, but um, just upbeat music that has has good tones. So um, I, I really do enjoy some techno music with a positive uh, vibe, so to speak. So if I had to suggest anything, it would be um, be something like that, something positive with a good beat. Uh, nothing, you know. It, a lot of people are at their home, their homes right now. They're they're not doing a whole lot. They're sitting around. Um, keep the spirits high. Listen to something positive. Nothing, uh, nothing sound or sad. <laughs> Somewhere, our colleague Dr. Amy Meter smiled when she heard the term EDM. EDM, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I. I, I enjoy, um, sometimes I enjoy music without vocals, you know, mm -hmm. it, it kind of lets you, um, I suppose, let go of, of thinking for a little bit, you know, in a world where we're constantly running our minds and, and trying to interpret things. And um, if you just want to have something play in the background and, and have a positive aspect about it, I love just the sound of those songs. And probably great workout music, correct? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It just depends on the depends on the vibe that you're going for. I know a lot of people that love the the hard techno or not techno, like screamo sounding music. Um, depends on the person you are. I'm never that guy. I'm not a super aggressive individual. So uh, you're never going to see me here and or see me working out to screaming music. Well, Jacob, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me on. 
That was Jacob Davis, a Winthrop grad from 2018 and owner of the nutrition store in Spartanburg, South Carolina. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. When Jason's at the table, I kept on seeing him look at me while he's with that other girl. Do you think he was just doing that to make me jealous? Because he was totally texting me all night last night, and I don't know if it's a booty call or not. So, like, what do you think? Do you, did you think the girl's pretty?
This is the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. I'm Joseph Casco alongside Mark Nortz. And we're joined now by Casey Ferry. She's a licensed attorney in both North and South Carolina and a 2009 graduate of Winthrop. Casey, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I, the first thing we want to ask you is tell us your Winthrop story. How'd you end up at Winthrop? And, uh, you know, what was your experience like? Yeah, so I I actually can remember really clearly um, my Winthrop day and going uh, with my mom. And of course, it's going to look a little bit different this year for 2020 students um, and admitted students. But I um, when I took a tour of Winthrop's campus, um, it was one of the first college tours that I took. And, you know, it sounds very cliche, but it felt right the first time I walk, walked around campus. Um, there was just a feeling that I had of belonging, uh, met some professors, met some other students, and everyone just seemed uh, so genuine, and the campus was stunningly beautiful. I think I did my tour in the spring, uh, and I actually didn't end up applying anywhere else other than Winthrop, and uh, the rest was history. So, What did you major in while at Winthrop that helped you, you know, prepare for moving on to law school? My major was English literature and language, and I also had a minor in political science. Um, I will say that along the way, as some elective courses, I took some um, basic business and finance courses. Um, if I had to do it over again, I probably would have taken more of those as electives as well to prepare for law school. Um, but otherwise, I had a, a liberal arts uh, degree. Casey, um, just looking at your bio and everything, you've got a lot of experience and in, in the field. Um, was there one experience at Winthrop that, that stood out? Was there a special class or an event that you went to that, that kind of like, you know, you look back and it's a very fond memory of, of your time at Winthrop University? Yeah, I, so a couple of things. Uh, I, will, I will say probably the best memory that I have uh, from Winthrop, aside from, from meeting and, and, and ending up married to my husband, <laughs> we met uh, at Winthrop. He's not in the same year as me, but aside from that, of course, um, I studied abroad when I was a second semester junior at Winthrop. I studied abroad in uh, at Edge Hill University in Ormskirk, uh, England, which is just outside of Liverpool. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. I had never been outside of the country prior to that experience. I'm a first-generation college student, so um, that was, you know, traveling internationally, growing up and being exposed to that was just not a part of my background. Um, but, you know, ended up jumping into the study abroad program, had a wonderful experience, and it quite literally changed my life um, from there on out. So over the past 10 years or so, um, my husband and I have traveled internationally, I believe, every single year uh, since then together, it really sort of um, sparked our interest in travel and love for other cultures and I would not have had that, but for Winthrop. So I would encourage other students, you know, even if you've never traveled abroad before or you think that's something that you can't afford or, you know, to look into that because um, there are so many opportunities uh, and you can study abroad, you know, just by paying your same Winthrop tuition rate and have this uh, life-changing, literally, experience. Um, So that would be one for me, that really stands out. Uh, and the others are just the relationships that I built, not not only with other students, uh, but with faculty and staff members. I was very involved uh, in other organizations when I was at Winthrop, um, student government, um, you know, in different alumni associations. I was a Winthrop ambassador and gave tours myself um, 
different clubs and organizations that were attributed to my major. And uh, I think, you know, Winthrop stands out in my mind as being really unique in that you aren't just a number. That sounds very cliche too, but, um, you know, the professors who are there and even staff members are so willing and and really want to to establish and build those relationships with you. And, And I always tell students now, you know, to find those people who want to be vested in your success. And I think there are plenty of those to be had at Winthrop. I still have mentors and relationships with both professors and staff members from my undergraduate days um, that I still talk to at least on a monthly basis. Honestly, now, you know, more than 10, 15 years later um, and maintain relationships with those. So uh, it's something that I have not experienced, I will say, at any other institution, including, um, you know, institutions that I've taken coursework at even even post-Winthrop. You mentioned earlier that um, you took some uh, some business classes and they were very important to you. Well, how did those business classes help you um, in your career you have now? I really, I think taking business classes is elective, although it certainly sounds more fun to take, you know, um, classes through the West Center or, um, you know, just things that are extracurricular in nature, sound, although sound fun, and they are, and you should do that too, but um, the business classes were particularly helpful because I don't think that I really realized as a college student, I certainly do now, which is why I say I would have taken more, um, is that no matter what you do, what your skill is, what your trade is, what your profession profession is, it's all a business, right? So I'm an attorney and I practice law day by day and I walk into a courtroom um, or I'm meeting with a client or I'm doing whatever it is that I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, But I still am a business owner when I'm a partner in a law firm, right? I still have to know how to manage staff. Um, I still have to know how to market myself and my services as an attorney. I still need to know how to manage the everyday operations of my law practice. Um, And all of those are really important. And, you know, at least in the legal profession, they don't really teach you how to do that in in law school. They teach you how to be a lawyer, but they don't teach you how to run and manage a small business. Uh, And so that coursework ended up being very beneficial, um, even at a basic level in undergrad. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco and Mark Nortz here with you, and we're speaking with Casey Ferry, a 2009 graduate of Winthrop University, and she's an attorney with Crisp Cherry McCraw in Charlotte. Casey, you mentioned a moment ago about being a first-generation college student. We certainly have a high percentage of those types of students here at Winthrop, and, and we know statistically that sometimes, you know, not having the background of, of parents or other family members who have the experience to offer advice of being a college student, talk about that experience for you as a first-generation student and, and some of the resources that were available to you at Winthrop that helped you get through that. Yeah, I, um, I so first of all, I will say that I think Winthrop is a great place to be for a first-generation college student. And I say that based on my own experience and that, you know, larger universities are wonderful for lots of reasons, and they certainly work well um, for certain personality types. For me, I think as a, as a first-generation college student, I think I may maybe would have gotten a little bit lost in the numbers, quite frankly, if I had gone to a larger institution. Um, Winthrop has a support system there. And again, you know, I'll start to sound like a broken record of just the the genuine interest levels from your professors and from staff members, um, you know, people who are working in admissions, people who are working um, in alumni relations even, who have such a genuine interest 
um, in helping you succeed as a student. And that was really crucial for me during my time at Winthrop. It is difficult because you don't have that parent or that family member to call and say, well, what was life like when you were in college? They have no idea. You know, they may be very successful in their own right um, some, through some other way, but they don't have that experience to share. Um, so my advice to those other first-generation students, and, and one of the things that I think made all the difference for me is to reach out to people. You know, you'd, you'd be surprised when you reach out to your professor and just let them know, hey, I'm a first-generation college student. I've never done this before, and I want to be successful in your class. Do you have any advice for me? You know, check in. As a professor, um, you know, they're going to really value and appreciate that. I know students I teach now, I teach other attorneys, um, I you know, in CLEs, and work with and mentor other students, both undergrad and in law students. And you'd be shocked how many times I stand at the front of a classroom or meeting or any presentation that I give. And I say, here's my card, you know, please email me, please call me if you have questions. And I say that because I genuinely mean that. And so very few students actually do that. Um, And I did that as a student. And I do really think that that made all the difference for me. When professors say that, particularly at Winthrop, they really mean it, you know, reach out, make the effort, let them know, um, that you're interested and that you want to be successful. And I think that goes such a long way for first-generation students in particular. One thing we've been asking people about as we talk to all these interesting people who are connected to the Winthrop community is about their their areas of expertise. And I, and I see that you specialize in like estate planning and elder law mm-hmm. and you know, we know that people often don't think about, want to think about things like the future or you know, that that sometimes life ends and, and you need to be prepared for that. And, you know, certainly things going on right now as many families are touched by it, and many people know people who have lost someone during this pandemic. Just as an expert, you know, tell us what your advice would be to the average person about thinking about and making arrangements, plans for the future. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Um, you're right in that it's not popular dinner conversation, you know, to talk about dying or planning for incapacity or incompetence or, or you know, the, what you want to happen um, if you are no longer here. And you're right in that these types of situations can really sort of put that front and center for clients. Um, I What I normally tell clients is, you know, for one, I understand that. Um, for two, I know that it, it's not really the most fun thing to spend your money on, A, to pay a lawyer uh, in, at all, but B, to pay a lawyer to, you know, plan out what's going to happen if, if you die or become incapacitated. However, it's so, so, so important. And, you know, my clients that I represent on the back end who did who have family members who did not have that planning done, they are left with an absolute mess after the fact. And I can help them clean that up, but it's going to be a lot more expensive and it's going to be a lot more emotional and it's going to be a lot more time consuming and difficult for the family. So when you do this type of planning, just, you know, by virtue of, of giving it some thought ahead of time and having a good plan in place, you're really doing a service to your family members, right? Because you're, you're not here, you're not really aware to know what's going on. Um, but it can really save so much money for one and so much grief and trouble for family members coming after the fact to just have a plan in place. And, and what I normally tell clients is, you know, I, I think there's this fear that just because you may come in and talk to me about those types of things that, that you know, you almost jinx yourself, like something is going to happen now that you've had the conversation. And really what we're doing is my job is to plan for your absolute worst case scenario, your absolute worst day ever, um, with the expectation and with the hope that that never happens. But 
I'm able to provide clients with that peace of mind um, that, that they have a plan in place for their family members. It's kind of like us paying homeowners insurance you know, on our houses, for example, we all make that payment every month or every year, hoping that our house doesn't burn down. But we have that and we have things in place to make sure that it's taken care of if it does. Well, that's sound advice that everybody should heed right there. Um, what we've been doing, um, Casey, as uh, we're talking to all our, our alum and and um, and our college professors and everything, we're, we're finding out like how they're passing the time um, during this, uh, the quarantine uh, for this pandemic. And uh, so we've been asking them, um, do you have a pandemic playlist? Are there some songs or, or some type of music that you're, you're listening to, to to get you through this time and, and kind of you know, keep your spirits up? Uh, anything you've got um, that you'd like to share with us? So, yeah, so pandemic playlist. So what I've been doing all day, every day, just about, is continuing to work per usual. Um, just I've taken a lot of things remote and able to still connect with clients um, via video and, and phone conference, which is great. Technology is awesome. Um, but when I do have music playing, I'm not on phone calls um, or the dog's not barking in the background. Um, I, I have been just pressing shuffle on my playlist a lot if I'm out. It's just out and about in the house or cooking. Um, if I'm working, I like to listen to just instrumental pieces. There's a lot of like French jazz, um, just background music, classical music in the background, uh, maybe even some like pop today's hits, but instrumental versions, because I tend to get distracted by actual singing. Um, but background music is great. Um, and then, you know, I think hopefully we've all been getting a few more steps in um, during, you know, these stay-at-home orders because um, going a little stir crazy inside and going out and walking maybe or jogging. So in that case, again, I'm I'm hitting shuffle on some sort of today's hit radio or just something with an upbeat a cardio playlist um, while I try to get some fresh air and some sunshine. Luckily, we've had good weather for that. Casey, I can report it's exactly 16 steps from the couch to the refrigerator and back. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I've been doing a lot more climbing up and down stairs in my house, at least, um, since you know my husband is working on the top floor and I am working in the basement, um, and we're both trying to keep the dog you know, somewhere where we can't hear him bark at the Amazon delivery drivers when we're on the phone, and that's the extent of my moving around unless I actually take a break. So, Well, I think we're all in the same boat, so uh, certainly understandable. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. That was Casey Ferry. She's an attorney with Crisp Cherry McCraw in Charlotte, and she's a 2009 graduate of Winthrop University. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. to the Eagle Land. 